0: 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 3 and 5, it goes like this. It says, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. strongholds. Say strongholds. strongholds. Say strongholds again. Strongholds. Strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God, and we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Now, the writer of this scripture's name was Paul, and what he was talking about here in this particular instance, what he was saying to us is, there is a war. There is a spiritual war, not just a physical war, but a spiritual war, and the battlefield is between our ears. It is in our mind that where the war is waged from is inside of here. It's a spiritual war. It's constantly going on, and it happens in our thoughts. It happens in our thoughts always. And so where that war is actually waged from, what those those different thoughts are called, we're going to talk about today, they're called, the Bible refers to them as strongholds. Everybody say "Strongholds." strongholds. Strongholds. Now, a stronghold... A stronghold kind of reminds me and makes me think of uh, of what this uh, basically that a stronghold is a camp. Okay, a stronghold is a camp now. Every time I think of camping, I'm recalled of this story when I was a young lad, and I used to live in Los Angeles, and nobody says lad, okay? And when I was lived in Los Angeles, and at our church that we went to, I was a part of something called the Royal Rangers. Does anybody know what Royal Rangers is? Royal Rangers was like a Wednesday night church Boy Scout program. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And so, in Los Angeles, the city, it's not a very, like, common thing to just go camping somewhere. It, it doesn't, it does it's not like that. Uh, there's not really, like, it is here. You know, you look outside of the church windows, and you see these beautiful trees. That'd be a great place to camp, maybe. I don't know. But in Los Angeles, you look outside a church window, you see, like, a, a wall just full of graffiti, okay? So, it's like, it was just a different place where I grew up. And so, as Royal Rangers, one of the camping outings, my first experience camping uh, with the Royal Rangers, we were going to camp in the back area of the church where there was like a little like section of grass okay and that was that was going to be our camp out we were going to camp there and every time I think of camping I think of this story this story where my dad and me and just us were gonna go camping at the Royal Rangers and I'm all suited up and ready to go. And so as we get there, we see um, all the other dads are there and they got their beautiful, beautiful camp uh, tents coming out together and they're pulling out all kinds of great stuff. They got stuff to make s'mores and you're singing Kumbaya and all that great stuff. And all the dads start start putting together their camps, right? They are start building up their tents. Now my dad, My dad, um, I don't know if it's anything like your dad, okay, but my dad, my dad's a great man. I love him to death, but my dad just kind of has his ways of doing things, okay? And so I'm super stoked, like, looking, like, yes, look at this great tent, dad. Okay, where's ours? And my dad brings out this, like, gigantic army green, like huge 16 foot poles, bags, all dirty from like Vietnam or something. I don't know where this thing came from. And so we start pulling out all these rods and poles and we're like erecting this huge structure. Like we're putting together the bring them Barnum Bailey circus or something. It's like, There's like people swinging from scaffolding. It's like all kinds of craziness happening in there. I don't know what's going on. It was all full of spiders. I promise you, they filmed the movie Arachnophobia inside of this tent, okay? You didn't think I knew what that was, huh? Anyways told you I'm not 12. So we, we, we erect this huge tent and, 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 and it, it's, it's getting dark and, and we go inside and it literally, it's so big. You don't have to like duck down. You just like walked in it. Like you just came into the tent. Like it was, it was all kinds of people already living in there. It was wild. It was, it was crazy. This tent was like, man. And so one of the other dads, he must have been a, a real Boy Scout or something because he was, he was prepared. And so he was like, sir, I have an answer for you. I happen to have brought an extra tent for you. Um, would you like to use it? You could put it inside of your tent if you want or whatever, <laughs> if you, know, you still wanna build that thing or whatever you wanna do. but you know. And so that's just, uh, we ended up staying in that guy's tent. And from that day on, I really liked to camp um, in fact, I never wanted to do that to my kids, so I bought this tent. This is my tent, y'all, right here. Can we give it up for my tent right here? This is mine, all right? I'm going to tell you right now, this is the second time it's ever been open because I don't, I don't camp no more. No, nah. I don't know who'd want to sleep outside. I got a comfortable bed. I don't know why you want to do it. My daughter's like, Daddy, we should go camping. I'm like, baby, the animals, you don't, I mean, it's dark. You don't like the dark. Like, you're right. <laughs> So maybe someday that'll work uh, a little bit longer. But anyways, a stronghold is like a camp. A stronghold is a camp. In fact, in the Bible days when it mentions war and it mentions all of those other things, oftentimes you'll see in the Bible where it says, and the enemy set up a stronghold in this position or in this place. And basically what it's saying is it is a base camp for the enemy to do his exploits from. You see, don't you notice that whenever we start to think of our thoughts, and we have our thoughts, it's like you get attacked in your thoughts, and you feel these, you feel these, these, these attacks coming on. It's a, Remember, we talked about it's a spiritual war. It's something kind of going on. The war is going on in here, and you start to, to think these thoughts, and you notice that the enemy never attacks just a thought, right? The enemy never just attacks a thought. You see, the enemy often attacks through a pattern of thoughts, You see, and that's what a stronghold is. It is a familiar place, a familiar place that you go to. See, a stronghold or a camp inside of your mind that you often think from is kind of like this type of camping. You see, the places that we would go to and camp as I started to kind of become accustomed to this and like this, it, it, looks, like, it looks a certain way. It was built a certain way. It's, it looks suitable for camping. Does that make sense? And it's familiar because we go there often. Does that make sense? Sure. Now, strongholds, strongholds are the same type of thing. You see, it's a pattern of thoughts that we have. Now, from these thoughts that we have, it's a certain, it's, a, it's what we have the choice to do. We have a choice to retreat to these places. Does that make sense? Let me give you an example of some of these patterns of our thoughts, okay? If, if, the, if the doctor calls, okay? The doctor calls and you think to yourself, oh, <sighs> a little nervous about this. They're gonna wanna run some tests. I could have Ebola, okay? Okay, or your boss calls you. You pick up the phone, you look at it, and you see your boss's name and coming up, and and you think to yourself, great, I'm probably gonna get fired. Or what did I do now? right? Or when the the phone rings again and it's from the school and you think, oh, great, what have my kids done this time? Or the phone rings and it's from somebody from out of town. It's an out-of-town number. You think, great, who's sick now? Who's passing away? Oh, goodness, I can't take another one of these. Or when we come to church and you walk into the church building and you walk into this place and, and something inside of you thinks, you know, I see people getting into it and I see people hearing the word, but nothing in my life's really changed. I wonder if this is even real, Sometimes during worship, try to close your eyes tight and you try to really just focus and press in and you think, man, is this even working? See, these are patterns of thoughts that we run and we retreat to. It's a pattern of thought. It's a place that we go to and we become familiar with. Now, let me keep building this thought for us. You see, God has always done and always set up camps for us. So let me explain. In the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, he created a perfect place, a place that had everything man and woman would ever need. All sustenance, all provision was there in this place. And God placed in that place, everybody know the name of that place? It's called the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden. At that time, everything was perfect. There was no sin. Man and beast lived together. It was all good. God wanted it that way. But God placed Two trees in the garden. Everybody say two trees." trees. Now, there's two trees in the garden. There's a tree to eat from, and there's a tree to not eat from, okay? Now, we ask ourselves, I understand, but why would God do that? Why would God make a perfect place? Everything's wonderful. Every, we have everything that we would ever need, but there's a tree that he says you can eat from and a tree you cannot eat from. Why would he do such a thing? You see, free will, free will is one of the greatest gifts that God's ever given mankind, okay? But what God was trying to do then is an example and explain to us that this, I'll read it to you. In Hebrews 11:6, And it's impossible to please God Without faith, anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. You see, the reason why God put two trees in that garden is because it is in God's nature, it is in His will to reward us. It's why, so He's always gonna give us the choice. So when a circumstance comes into our mind, the doctor calls, I have a choice. The phone rings, maybe you just shouldn't answer your phone, okay? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Whenever circumstances arise, you have the choice from where to think. And when we choose to think from the mind of Christ and the strongholds or the patterns or the familiar places, the camp of the mind of Christ, God is setting us up to be rewarded. Because it's in his nature, because it's his will, because that's what he does. He does. He's always given us the choice from which place to think. And by choosing to think from the stronghold of the mind of Christ and what he says about us, we're setting ourselves up to be rewarded by God, by being obedient to his word and being rewarded. Now, that sounds great. Excellent. What, here's the thing we need to tackle. How how can we do that everybody say but how but how how? it's very simple i'm going to give you two points two points this morning it's very simple one is to tear down the camp and the second one is to build up the camp everybody say with me say tear down the camp build up the camp very simple very simple So this is how a God chaser thinks. This is how we do this. Now, let me explain. You see, to tear down the camp means that we have to tear down the camp of fear and doubt and defeat and destruction. We have to leave that place. You see, when you go camping with your kids or you take your kids camping, you don't stay forever. It was made only temporary. It was made to be torn down. And so when we have often retreated to a place where we felt defeated or we felt uh, we in a pattern of destruction then it may be time to leave the camp does that make sense? Okay, now listen. When the doctor calls and you have a choice of which tree you're going to eat from, which camp you're going to retreat to, the answer is when the doctor calls, you say, you know what? I already know the tests are negative. When the d- school calls, you think, yes, my kid must be on the honor roll. You think that when the do- your boss calls, you "Yeah, oh, you're here to come and give me my raise. I know. I know. I deserve my raise. You're right. Whenever somebody calls and they say, if they're out of town, you say, who's having a baby? Who's getting married? Right? You have a choice from where to think from. When you walk into church, when you walk into church, you don't need a feeling or emotion to tell you that this is real. A God chaser knows that the place that he's standing is fertile ground and that the place where he is sowing into is the place that God has ordained for them. A God chaser knows. A God chaser knows the pattern to think from. We tear down that camp and we we think from a different camp. A God chaser thinks from a different place. A God chaser doesn't retreat to places that were familiar and that have gotten us nowhere. Let me explain to you how Moses did it. Moses, you know Moses, right? Moses the guy that built the ark. <laughs> Good, and you know who Moses is. <laughs> Moses did not build an ark. Uh... Per se, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Moses, you know the baby uh, in the floating down the Nile. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. He, he was chosen by God to free the Hebrews, that they were called at that time, or the Israelites, to leave the land of slavery and to go into the Promised Land. 432 years the Israelites lived in sincere, true bondage—a place they were literally slaves. And God used Moses, an oracle, a man of God, to lead the people out. And as you, you read the Exodus account, you read this story about Moses and the Israelites leaving. There's tons of miracles, miraculous things, things that people would talk about for generations. You talk about the plagues and you talk about uh, the parting of the Red Sea. Miraculous things happened. And, and, and a trip that should have only taken days actually ended up taking 40 years But why? That's another story, I guess, the camp that they chose to think from. But you see, the Israelites, the Israelites oftentimes in that desert season that they were in, they had times where they would, choices where they would think from. They saw uh, famine, they saw uh, drought, they saw snakes, they saw people that they loved and they cared about die right in front of them instantaneously. And, and, And it was hard, it was horrible. But there's one thing about the way the Israelites always thought it was wavering. They wavered in their thoughts. One day they believed God was was one way. One believed that God was just there to kill them. One way they thought, this is the camp we're going to think from. The next day they thought, this is the camp we're going to think from. It It was wavering. They wavered in their faith. They wavered back and forth because of the things that they saw and the circumstances. But Moses... Everybody say, but Moses. Moses. But Moses, Moses never wavered. Moses never wavered. He was like this, he was like this statue. He was like this, just this persistent, consistent person that just knew, he just knew. And so in order to understand why you have to look back a couple chapters and you have to to read and understand that Moses himself actually experienced his own 40 years in the desert by himself. And you see, In his own 40 years, he went through his own experiences, his own layers of doubt and fear and choosing of which way, which camp to think from. But you see, something that Moses learned and why he was always this pillar of strength to the Israelites is because he learned the pattern and the nature of God's ways. He knew that if we're going to have a drought, then all you have to do is strike a rock. He knew that if we're out of food, all you got is going to provide something you just reach out and grab. That if there's going to be snakes, then there will be healing. That if there's going to be fire by day, uh, then there will be a fire by night, cloud cover by day. He knew. He just knew. You see, some of us go through experiences and seasons in our life where we feel like we're in a desert. We feel like we go through things and we wonder why I'm here to tell you this morning that some of us go through things not because God hates you or God is mad at you, not because God has this this vengeance to go out on people, not at all. I believe that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him because that's what his word says. I believe that some of us go through seasons in our life that are trying and that are hurtful and hard only because we can stand up when other people are wavering through doubt and say, I know how God's nature is. I know what God's will is. I know because I've seen it and I've lived it myself. It's true. It's true. And so some of us have to leave. We have to leave the camp. You leave the camp of death and to fear and destruction. You leave it. You have to tear it down. No more. One of the great ways to tear that down, it's very simple. Just never build it in the first place. (laughs) You don't want somebody in your house, don't open the door. Right? Now, the second point. The second point. Everybody ready for the second point? Yes. second point? Second point. Got it. The second point is to build up the camp. What does build up the camp mean? Build up the camp means that you have to think saved at some point or another, you have to truly believe. You have to truly believe that God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. That God has given victory to us over any war that could ever be waged against us. That we stand in a place of victory. And as a God chaser, you think in the mind of Christ that you know you're saved. You see, in the camp, the camp that you think from most often will be the one that is the strongest. The camp that you go to most often will be the camp that is the stronger camp. We build up the camp. You build up the camp by often going to that place. We have a choice from where to think. A God chaser has a choice Which tree do I eat from? Which camp do I belong to? And where will I retreat when the circumstances come up? Thinking saved means that we understand the only victory that the enemy has over us is the one that we give him. You see, I just want to take a side note here. You see, sometimes people believe that and we think of God and you think of the enemy, you think that it's like God versus the enemy, that it's like God, enemy, and they're like at war with each other. No, 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 no. God is creator, and the enemy was a created thing. There is no war against God versus the enemy. You see, God defeats the enemy by all of us choosing to obey the Lord. That's his way in choosing to defeat the enemy because all it would take is a word. All it would take is a breath. He is a consuming fire. All he has to do is speak one word and the enemy is no more. But God would choose instead to defeat him through us and our obedience. The only victory the enemy has is the one that we give him. And so we have to think from a different camp. You think from a different place, a different stronghold, knowing that I have the mind of Christ and that God is who he says he is and he can do exactly what he says he can do, that this is my place. We think saved. It's like people say, you are what you eat, right? Amen. You are what you eat. It's a very healthy community. kind of learned that from, from this community here. You can't just eat anything, right? I try to work out a little bit. and. a uh, I okay, mean, I try to work out a little bit, okay? <laughs> I've noticed that there's a big part. You could go to the weights, you know, hit the weights as often as possible or go to, go to run, but man, if you have not been eating according to that diet, you don't have what it takes, okay? I'll tell you something. If you eat fast food the night before, you will pay for it in the morning running, okay? You will pay for it. You will pay for it. It's impossible. You drink, if I even drink a soda... And I try to hit the weights. I can feel different. I can feel different. You see, we are what you are. What you eat in the same way we 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 create this camp by the way that we think. We create this camp as either strong or this camp is either weak. You see, our thoughts become our words, our thoughts, and what we think. So the choices become our thoughts, and our thoughts become our words. And the Bible says that the words hold the power of life and death, and we are literally speaking out fertile ground into all of our life. You speak words into life. There's a Bible, there's a story in the Bible that Jesus told, it's called the parable of the sower. It's one of the few stories that's actually recorded in all four of the gospels and it goes like this. It says that a farmer scatters seed and it falls on the path and falls on different types of ground and each ground creates a different uh, different harvest. Something different grew on each ground. Why? And I've thought about this a lot of times and said, what was it? Was it different seed? No, because the Bible says that the seed is the word of God, that it is incorruptible, indestructible, infallible, unchanging, unwavering, living and active to this day. The seed wasn't the variable. The variable was the dirt. And the Bible says that the dirt was actually the condition of our hearts. See, when we speak words, when we speak words, we are actually creating the soil, the soil ground that our hearts that our hearts make and can receive the word and produce a harvest. I'll tell you like this, it's been two years, two years uh, since I've been, I've been really sick, really sick, and I notice one variable about that is, is I never speak the words, I'm sick. I don't say, I'm sick. Why? Because I don't speak that. I speak life. Even when I'm not feeling well, I say, man, I'm healed whole and I'm complete. Because we're literally with our words speaking the fertile ground and around our life, with our words speaking things out, and it's creating fertile ground for things to grow. You have to think saved. You have to leave that camp and enter into this camp. How do we build up this camp? Go to it. Go to it often. I'll never forget this story. My, my, my sister, uh, when she was real small, she used to have a hamster. Remember when people wanted rodents in their house? Remember hamsters? <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. I'll never forget, my dad told her like this. He said, uh, she said, Daddy, I want him to get big because he was just real little. And he was like, I want to hold him, I want to hold him. But you know, she was little. She likes, you know, squeeze. I don't know why kids do that. I just want to squeeze him to death. But he's like, I want him to get bigger and you can't hold him until he gets bigger. All of y'all are smiling like you've seen some some strangled, strangled hamsters before. So my sister, my sister, she said, I want to hold him. Like You can't hold him, sweetie. You're, 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 you know, he's too small. Well, I want him to get bigger. I'll never forget the way that this spoke to me. My dad said, honey, if you want something to get bigger, then you have to feed it. You want a camp to get bigger in your life and a pattern of thoughts that you go to and retreat to, you have to feed it. You want something to get bigger and stronger and be more powerful than the others? You have to feed it. That means you have to go to it often. You have to build it up often. You have to go to it. If you want something to die in the same way, you stop feeding it. Some of us have patterns of thoughts in our lives, strongholds in our minds that need to go. And so we tear down that camp by stop feeding it and we build up the new camp by feeding it something new. And the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God chasers people are, that go to that camp, that think from that place, that know what camp they belong to. His last thought. I need my soldier, is my soldier ready? Come on out here, soldier. Can you guys give it up for my soldier, please? Got to help him out. He's got to... Now, God is so good to his God chasers, right? He's so good to his people that he doesn't just say, it's a fight, it's a war, and not equip you. You see, if I'm a God chaser, then what's that make me? And, And this is a war then that makes me a soldier. And what's a soldier without his armor? Right? In Ephesians chapter six, verse 13 through 18, it goes like this. Therefore, anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, you should look and see what it's there for. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm And stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And put on salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now let's look at the armor. Let's look at the armor of the soldier. The Bible explains it like this. It says, you know, you have a breastplate to cover you. And when the writer was writing this, just so you know, he was not talking about like medieval armor, like Sir Lancelot stuff. It was This was like his armor. This is what he was talking about. So you had a breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness means right living. Think about what it covers. It covers your heart. That's where your desires are. Let right living always cover your desires. And then you have the belt of truth, which surrounds you, surrounded in truth. Notice it says truth and not defeat. Destruction lies and defeat, but you are surrounded in truth. And the shoes that are ready. God chaser, are you ready? God chaser, I asked you, are you ready? Yes. Are you ready, God chaser? Yes. He said about the shield, he said, you're going to need this shield because there's going to be flaming arrows. I didn't give you the armor so you can look pretty. I gave you the armor because you're going to get hit sometimes. You're going to get hit. Sometimes people get hit by the people closest to them and sometimes people get hit by people that never should have been hit from. And for that, I'm sorry. But hopefully your faith was not rocked. But instead, your faith was built up in a powerful way to know that if I've lived through it then, I'll live through it now. If God was able then, he'll be able tomorrow. And look at his sword. The sword of the spirit. Every time I've always thought about this sword, I've thought that the sword was, you know, this Braveheart looking sword. Remember, see, remember Braveheart, the big gigantic sword, Mel Gibson? You remember, you remember that? It's gigantic, huge sword. It wasn't really that big of a sword. Mel Gibson's just like five feet tall. But anyways, the sword was huge. But look at this sword, this sword's tiny. I believe the writer of Ephesians 6, Paul was telling us, sometimes God chaser, the battle will be right in your face and you will need something, not to wield, but to just hold close. And the last piece. and look at where the helmet goes ah. look at what it protects the mind protects the power of your thoughts you know what these feathers are for it tells him what camp he belongs to always on his head, protecting his thoughts, protecting his mind, he knows what camp he belongs to. He knows where he belongs. As a God chaser, you know where you belong. Now, there's one last thing. See, in the Bible, it doesn't mention anything about his back. And I've always thought about that. In fact, when I was praying about this, I thought, but what about his back? What about, you know, he doesn't have anything for his back. What's he going to do? And as I was praying about it, I felt the Lord kind of deposit this in me. And that was that as a God chaser, There's nothing for his back. And as a God chaser, the reason why is because you don't have to run from the fight, but instead your job is to stand firm. Your job is to be persistent in your prayers. You're supposed to speak life. You're supposed to leave that camp to build up this camp and to stand firm in the word of God, knowing that you're a soldier. You're a God chaser. And this is how a God chaser is supposed to think.